So it is about that fine line and that balance and how do we put the needs of others over our own without tipping into the self-sacrifice where it's dangerous for us. Welcome back, leaders. I'm your host, Terry Schmidt, guiding you through a season that is all focused on people leadership and team development. And our conversation today is rich with insights if you're a leader who cares about serving others, especially those who have served our country. From being overseas and leading covert intelligence briefings to orchestrating security programs for nearly 4,000 soldiers, our guest, Shelley Rude, knows firsthand what it means to protect and care for others. Through her business, Others Over Self, Shelley and her team are dedicated to serving others by providing training that connects people through shared life experiences and deepens interpersonal skills, all while celebrating our nation's heroes. We begin today by talking about how to honor and work most effectively with those who sacrifice so much for us, those who serve in our armed forces. Hint, it goes way beyond, but really doesn't take much more time than saying thank you for your service. We talk about the different military cultures and the values that make former military members stellar employees. If you lead someone who has served, you'll lead with new leadership insights. Our conversation then broadens to topics that are important for any leader, such as the value of staying curious, how to walk the fine line of putting others' needs first without slipping into dangerous self-sacrifice what real self-care is, the power of peer support groups, the value of grounding yourself in self-knowledge before jumping into giving mode, and the power of letting others give to you. A trigger warning, we do briefly discuss suicide statistics and abuse. Please take care of yourself and come back to this episode at a different time if needed. Okay, let's get into this rich conversation. Welcome, Shelly, to the Moms That Lead podcast. We're excited to have you here today. Terry, it's my absolute honor. I'm so excited to be talking with your audience. You have such an incredible, powerful group of women listening in. Good for you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I definitely agree. And I know those women would love to learn more about you. And so maybe we can just get started with who you are, where you lead, and how you lead today, and a little bit about your journey to that point. Gosh, those are such great questions. You know, my son, my older boy is 13 now, and he's facing that question every day of what is leadership? And I don't want to lead, right? Because mm -hmm. he's the biggest, he's the fastest, he's usually yeah. the strongest. And I said, you know, kid, you don't have a choice. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, people are looking at you and what you do and how you act every day defines not just whether or not you're leading, but how you're leading, mm -hmm. right? I mean, even the most atrocious leaders of all time, they're still leaders. Exactly. So everybody's watching us, you know, and I'm I'm from Michigan. I'm coming to you live actually from Selfridge Air National Guard Base in Macomb, Michigan, over near Detroit. And I'm definitely a Michigander at heart. I grew up here. I went to Western Michigan University. I joined a sorority. Uh -huh. And I didn't have any female friends. You know, I work, I grew up working construction. So okay. my dad actually wanted me to go make female friends. So he uh -huh. said, join a sorority. I'm not sure if that was good advice or not looking back. But you know, what it did do is it exposed me to a lot of different types of women, young mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, this is so funny. I think your listeners will love this. So I was scared to death of the freshman 15. Terry, do you uh, remember what that is? Of course. Of course. You go away to school for the first time or yeah. whatever, and you like and then you 15 go, pounds. Yeah. And because the dining hall is all, all you can eat and has the frozen yogurt machine and <laughs> you got it. So I was like terrified of that. Right. And so during orientation, the ROTC department was doing an outdoor survival skills class. And I loved camping. And I uh -huh. thought to myself, you know what? If I take that class, I won't gain that 15 pounds. <laughs> and before I know it, I'm signing up to join the military. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a story. 
So I did, you know, it turns out I'm a really good small bore rifle shooter. And so I actually joined the rifle team, became the captain of that. I did actually enlist. 9-11 mm-hmm. was very impactful on me mm-hmm. as a young woman. And I was in college when that happened. Mm-hmm. And that was really one of the defining moments for me to realize uh, the juxtaposition between what I was perceiving as sorority life mm-hmm. versus military life. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of similarities between the two, but there's also a lot of differences. And I was much more attracted to this group of people who used words like values and mm. honor and duty, loyal. It was just something that really spoke deep in my heart. And I was having a hard time watching a lot of my peers kind of drinking their days away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of really how it all got started. And then I did have a 16-year career over a span of 16 years in the Army Reserves. I served in the intelligence branch, which we can talk more about what that is and what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um And then towards the end of that career, I was actually looking at transferring into becoming a chaplain in the chaplain. And I was unexpectedly discharged Mm -hmm. and with honors and all of that, Mm -hmm. it just was a paperwork issue. And so here I thought I was going to be a military chaplain. I really perceived that calling. And then the military, you know, said, we're done with you. (laughs) And I said, but God says I'm supposed to be a military chaplain. (laughs) So we've just been walking that path for the last Mm -hmm. few years. We own our own business and the business has opened up a lot of doors for us as far as how we're able to still pursue that calling and that passion for Mm -hmm. what we do and how we lead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, what a great story in that, you know, at a point where it might've seemed that doors were closing, you found a way to still heed that call and, and serve others in that capacity. You know, Terry, doors close all the time, every day. Mm -hmm. And in the military, we have a phrase called mission first. And I was actually as a civilian in the television industry for years, I remember going on a job interview and the general manager of the TV station said to me, Shelly, you know, I'm, I'll be honest with you. Don't you think your military mindset is going to result in a lack of creativity? Are you just not going to be able to think outside the box? Mm. And I was shocked. I looked at him and I said, sir, I don't, I don't mean to be pertinent, but that could be any further from the truth. Mm. Because in the military, they don't necessarily tell you how to get the job done. They tell you what they want done. And Mm -hmm. it's your job to figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'll always remember that of just how we have sort of the wrong perception of Mm -hmm. what happens in the military if you personally have not served. And that's something that I'm excited to be really connecting those two worlds together as Mm -hmm. a teacher, as a business owner, and as a mom that leads. Yeah. 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 I love that because that's, I think that is a perception that is very easy to have, or, or many people do have. And I think, like you said, if, if you haven't served, it's easy just to, you know, keep those preconceived notions and, and not understand what's really involved, which kind of gets us to our first question. I know that you have been doing some work. One of the areas that you focus on is helping others with military cultural competency. I wondered if you could tell me a little bit more about that as someone who hasn't served myself, that just really interested me. Does it interest you or does it intimidate you? (laughs) Well, I think interests me so that I won't be intimidated. There you go. That makes sense. And as women, I think when we hear military or military history, political science, and I'm totally stereotyping, right? Which is Mm -hmm. a terrible thing to do. But truly, as women, I feel like we tend to take the back seat in these subjects. Mm -hmm. For those of my women listening that love history, like fist bump sister, because that's you're rare, you're a unicorn. (laughs) I think that's amazing. Um, And so military cultural competency, what that means is, is its cultural competency. The military itself is its own subculture within our culture. And I'm talking specifically about the United States military. Mm -hmm. If you've ever served overseas in a different type of military format, they have their own expectations and culture. So just here within the United States, if you have served in the military or you're married to somebody who has... um, or even your dad served or your mom served or your aunt served, you have to understand that there's something about the way that their brain has been wired 
because of their time in service, mm. that does make them a little bit different than your traditional civilian. Mm-hmm. You know, the military is its own culture and we mm-hmm. have our own way of communicating. We have our own way of talking and understanding each other. And we have our own expectations regarding how and why things should be done and mm-hmm. when they should be done. Mm. You know, a good example of military cultural competency in action, if you have somebody that you're working with and you're not sure how to really manage them, give them a checklist. Mm. Military people, we love checklists. It (laughs) makes us feel so good to check those boxes and really shove it in your face. Like, look, I did the job. I did Mm -hmm. the thing you needed me to do. There's just something about it that we really embrace. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Getting back to what you said about not necessarily telling someone exactly how to do something, but making sure the goals are very clear. And without getting too deep into history here, we have to remember that the population of military veterans is rapidly shrinking. Mm. And I like to represent the females because we are so, 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 so few. When you look at the entire population of people who've served in the military, United States, Mm -hmm. less than 15% of them are women. And that's including all of our reservists and our National Guardists. So less than 15% are women. Mm -hmm. And then if of those, those that have actually been on active duty or served any time in active duty, now you're looking at maybe 4%. It kind of depends on the report that you look at. Mm -hmm. But it really, really is very, very small. And so when we have such a unique population and we're trying to connect with this unique population, it's very hard to understand us. Yeah, It's not like it was in... 30, 40 years ago, when our grandparents all were actively involved in the military, you know, it Mm -hmm. used to be like, if you asked my grandma, she could have listed off 20 people that she knew that were in the military. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, when I'm asking just the general person I just met, it's, it's very, very rare that they even know somebody directly that has served. And that shows us the need for this military cultural competency so that we are continuing to take care of this very unique and special population. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So speaking to that, if there is a woman who's listening, who hasn't served herself, but maybe she is hiring someone, you know, a, a veteran to be on her team, what are some things that she should be aware of? You mentioned the checklist, but I'm, I'm sure it goes much deeper than that. Oh, it absolutely does. So when we're talking about hiring military people, There are so many pros and yes, there are some cons just like there are with any special population. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, I absolutely love working with military people and I'm not completely brainwashed, right? So my 16 year Mm -hmm. career was in the military and in the civilian life. Mm-hmm. So I worked in broadcast television for many, many years. And I also worked in the fitness industry for many, many years. And looking back, my most favorite people that I've ever worked with and had and invited on my team are those with military experience. And it's just because we have a very mission first mindset. Mm. So if you do have somebody that maybe you're thinking about hiring military, obviously I'm going to tell you, yes, go ahead and do it. (laughs) And there's tons of benefits. And actually I'm going to add that to our episode landing page, Terry, Mm -hmm. the, just the benefits associated with hiring military people, because From a national level, there are actually federal programs that will pay your company with various benefits and tax write-offs if you have training programs for military people Mm -hmm. on your staff. So I'll make sure to add that to the landing That'd be great. That'd be great. Now, when you talk about having people on your team, we tend to be more creative, right? We already Mm -hmm. talked about that. We also tend to be very ownership driven. Mm. So if you take one of us and you give us a very specific event, for instance, and you tell us to run with it, Mm -hmm. then we will, I mean, everything that we have will be poured into this event, you know, maybe even our personal finances, just because that's (laughs) the type of people that we are, but we really do like to embrace and own things. And I think that's something that we don't necessarily always see in the civilian population. Mm -hmm. There's almost this hesitancy in the civilian population. There tends to be a mindset of work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't exist in the brain of the military person Mm. because we believe that our occupation is our vocation. Mm. We are Mm -hmm. who we are and what we do is a part of who we are. So Mm -hmm. when you work and deal with military people, you're actually going to get a lot more for your investment. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be somebody who clocks in and clocks out and is like, hey, bro, I'm off the clock, you know, call me in three days. (laughs) We don't think that way. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. 
And I know this is a little bit of a side note, but I know I've seen on your website and in your blog about, you know, what to say beyond thank you for your service. Mm. You know, if you, if you have as a civilian, if you are approaching someone who's involved in the military, how do you go about beyond that? You know, if you're at a funeral and you, you walk past somebody and you just kind of don't know what to say, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of an awkward situation. And, and most of us will just say, out of the goodness of our hearts, sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of move on. It, it's not a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. So similarly, the phrase, thank you for your service, it's not a bad thing. If that's easy and natural for you, you feel comfortable saying it. I mean, I think that's great. And I'm somebody who I've actually been spit on wearing the uniform mm. just, just because, right? There are a whole population of people that hate military people. Mm-hmm. So please recognize that first and foremost, if you're even in the mindset to say thank you for your service, mm-hmm. thank you, because mm-hmm. that's a big deal to us. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to encourage us to take it a little bit deeper. And that really is the position that as others over self, others over self mm-hmm. is the leadership mindset that my company teaches. And we highly encourage meaningful conversation and meaningful conversation can happen in five minutes. It doesn't have to be half an hour of tear breaking, you know, war stories. Mm -hmm. That's not what we're talking about here. (laughs) We're talking about five minutes of just digging a little bit deeper and having a genuine conversation with a military person. And there's reasons for that. So, so the phrase, thank you for your service. Yes, you should use it. And I don't want us to stop. So there needs to be a follow-up question. There needs Mm -hmm. to be a purposeful interaction behind the phrase, thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. And that is how we're really going to improve the mental wellness of our military people. Mm. And do we need to improve that? We absolutely do. I'm still surprised by the number of people that don't know or aren't familiar with the negative mental health statistics that plague our nation's heroes. Even the suicide rate, the death by suicide rate is familiar to many of us. It's 22 a day. That number nationwide in the United States, 22 veterans take their lives every day. And that has been around since 2017. Uh, At one point, it went down to about 17 a day. There's questions there because of how things were tracked. Mm -hmm. Now that number is back up to 22, and they're even projecting it to be higher coming out of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there's a need. There's a genuine need for our military people to have an open and honest communication with a civilian person. Mm -hmm. And you can do it. It's not terribly intimidating. It can be, right? I mean, if, if if you've never been in the military... And you got some person in front of you and you want to like genuinely, I mean, how do you walk up to Captain America and say, thank you? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty awkward. Mm -hmm. So there are actually four really simple ways that you can make a meaningful connection with a military person. And we did go ahead and put this in an article for all of your listeners, Terry. Mm -hmm. And so there's a link to that article in the show notes. And there's four simple questions that you want to ask, and I'll just shoot them off real quick. The first one, you can ask them, what branch did you serve in? Mm -hmm. Now you did a great job with me already asking this question, right? What branch Mm -hmm. did you serve in? I said, I would, I joined the army, joined the army reserves. And then a very simple, you know what? I apologize. I'm skipping over my military cultural competency here. Do we forget? Do we even know how many branches there are? Mm, mm -hmm. So there's six because Space Force was recently inducted as a branch of the United States military. And then you have Coast Guard. And there's a lot of people that don't even think the Coast Guard Mm. is a military branch because it's kind of not. We can debate about that (laughs) later. (laughs) But so whether you're Army or Marine or Navy or Air Force, Mm -hmm. all of these cultures are now subcultures within Mm -hmm. the military community. And it's Mm -hmm. very important to understand Mm -hmm. that. So just asking somebody what branch they're served in can really take you to that deeper level in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then the simple follow-up question for them is just, what was your job? Mm -hmm. Or what did you do in the military? What Mm -hmm. was your job? Keep it simple. And if they come back at you with a whole bunch of letters and numbers, like I was a 35 Delta say, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) That that lends itself to another question. And you're not going to feel like you might feel stupid, but Mm -hmm. you're, you don't look stupid. I mean, I'm telling you, I was an intelligence officer. I have so many acronyms and numbers and letters flying through my head. I only remember Uh what the most basic ones are sometimes. Mm -hmm. So if the person in front of you says I was a 38 Mike or a 38 Delta or blah, 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 
just look at them and say, okay, what's that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, their answer might surprise you too. One of my good friends, if you ask him what his branch is, he'll give you a pretty canned answer. But if you ask him what his job was, his job was actually creating comic books for the people in Africa to help encourage the youth against radicalization. So there are some really cool conversations out there waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. And and as military people, we want to tell them. Mm -hmm. We just need somebody to ask us the right question. So the right question is, what was your job? Yeah. And you know, it's... It's so simple. And you would think that it would be easy to think of that instead of just saying thank you for your service and moving on. But I think sometimes we just need to be reminded of taking it a step further because it helps the other person to feel seen when you do have that curiosity. And, you know, I I feel like that's a theme that's been running through a lot of our recent episodes about just little actions we can take as leaders in our life to help people feel seen. That's so insightful to you because remember we wear camouflage. We Mm -hmm. wear a uniform. Mm. We're not meant to be seen. Mm -hmm. We're Mm -hmm. meant to just do the job. And so when there is a civilian who's looking at us and is giving us the opportunity to voice our own thoughts, feelings, actions, I mean, that's a big deal. No, Mm Terry, I know a lot of your listeners have probably done quite a bit of self-discovery because that's a big piece of what you encourage your women to do. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us, we know what it's like to write our own story, to share our own experiences. A lot of our military people have never been given that option Mm -hmm. because it's not about us. It's about the mission. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you do have an opportunity to just stand in front of a military person and ask them, why did you join? Mm -hmm. you're going to unlock a whole lot of amazingness. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have one of my friends, you ask her, Hey, why'd you join the military? And she's going to tell you she joined on a bet. (laughs) (laughs) She had a full career as a combat fighter pilot. She's one of the most amazing women that I've ever known. And she joined on a bet. And you would never know that if you just, Uh you know, had your own stereotypes and assumptions and said, thank you for your service and moved on. Right. Right. So true. So true. Well, I think that kind of gets us, you mentioned others over self and the leadership mindset. I'd love to hear more about that and just how it came to be and and what's your favorite part about it. That's so fun. We opened our company and my husband is my business partner and we are women owned, you know, by percentages and all of that. But we opened in 2017 as a educational consulting company. Mm. So we teach, train, educate. We do workshops, mm-hmm. keynotes, seminars, and the subject matter that we teach on has changed over the years, but not a whole lot. Uh, we kind of know who our target clients are, and they usually ask us for things like military cultural competency, encouraging peer support amongst the military and the civilian mindset. So really kind of closing that gap. But when we opened back in 2017, you know, we kind of did what all businesses do and you do market research and you come up with the top topics that people are hiring you to teach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we created right. a series of workshops and seminars on those. And it's great. And it got us, you know, started as a small business. And this year I'm excited to share with you that we are celebrating our fifth year being open as a small business. And for Congrats. all of my entrepreneurs out there, big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. The majority of small businesses close within the first five years. Mm-hmm. So that's not us. But we didn't really embrace others over self until about a year ago. So, you know, and it's probably been two years now that we mm-hmm. really started to embrace that. So others over self was a phrase that we developed at the very, very beginning. And we bought, I don't know, 12 t-shirts or something. Cause mm-hmm. we just liked it. It's the word mm-hmm. others over self, like a math problem. Mm-hmm. And I would wear them when I would speak and whatnot, but we didn't really sell the shirts. We didn't even try, you know, we weren't trying to be a retail company or anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the shirts just kind of disappeared. They were something that I wore at events and that was it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the height of the pandemic, I was actually pregnant. I was eight months pregnant Mm -hmm. when I was talking with a business mentor and he said, Shelly, your teachings with your company are good, but they're not specific enough. He said, you really Mm -hmm. need to dig in and find your unique voice. What Mm -hmm. is it? And so we did a lot of discovery 
And we ended up circling back to that idea of others over self. Mm -hmm. And so since then, we've done it the right way. We went ahead and had it registered as a trademark. It's a proprietary leadership mindset. And Mm -hmm. what it does, any entrepreneur knows that you can go down the rabbit hole and start spreading yourself thin, trying to please everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really, it helps us bring things back in. Mm-hmm. And all of our teachings, whether they're for military people or civilian people or for military women, whatever the teachings are and whoever our clients are, everything falls under the umbrella of others over self. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. it means is that the needs of others will always be greater than our own. Mm-hmm. And for us, that is a biblical mindset. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. we teach is not always Bible stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. the world is filled with more non-Christians than Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our faith is our own and we don't necessarily teach Christian leadership. But what we do is we do teach is values-based leadership. Mm-hmm. And nobody mm-hmm. can argue with that, right? I mean, who's right. going to hate Who's going to hate others over self? Mm-hmm. Selfish people. <laughs> so if you don't like others over self, you, you know, may, uh, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't work together. Right. <laughs> so tell us about some of the, the programs that you do under that umbrella, how you advocate for that leadership mindset. Absolutely. So one of the favorite programs that we're running right now is called Warriors with Warriors. Mm. And this program received seed funding from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services from Mm -hmm. a mental health block grant. And that's important because what you have to realize is that it's federal dollars funneled into state dollars that are feeding this program. And Mm -hmm. the program is designed to connect our earthly warriors with our spiritual warriors. And what Mm -hmm. that means is that we teach, train, and educate faith leaders on how to interact with military. So what we do is we go into a church, we go into a synagogue, any type of faith-based organization, and we teach the staff members, we teach the members of the organization, things like military cultural competency, Mm -hmm. so that they can have a significant impact in their day-to-day walk. And what's so cool about this is that the statistics and data show that faith-based organizations have a much higher percentage of success when it Mm -hmm. comes to being able to provide mental health support to their members. Mm. And so this is actual empirical data that the state is funding Mm -hmm. because we know the, if you are a person of faith, whether or not you have a title, like a pastor, preacher, Bible Mm -hmm. study leader, whatever, if you have a faith system that you believe in, and you're out there in the world living and repping your faith system, then you already have a level of depth inside of you that enables Mm -hmm. you to be able to better connect with another human being. Mm -hmm. That's special and that's unique. And I would love to encourage you to embrace that and bring that into the mind of a military person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the most striking events of my military career happened really towards the end. And it was one of the deciding factors for me to pursue chaplaincy. Mm -hmm. My unit was doing an exercise. Once a year, you have to go through all your paperwork. Mm -hmm. And hundreds of us are gathered and we're going through our paperwork where you have to fill out, you know, your, they call them dog tags, your identification Mm -hmm. tags Mm -hmm. that hang around your neck. And if you don't know one of those, if you do happen to pass away, one of those is taken off, right? And you wear it as your Mm -hmm. toe tag overseas. So to update the information on your dog tags is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And as my unit was going through and updating our information, I was looking through the roster and there's a slot on there. You have to put your name and you have to put your identification number. used to be social security number. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, thank goodness, we have a different ID number for that. And there's a slot on there for religious preference. Mm -hmm. Terry, I was shocked. Looking down hundreds and hundreds of names, the column for religious preference pretty much was blank. Hmm. So even though I'm Christian, Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating for Christianity here. Mm -hmm. I'm simply representing and bringing light to the fact that there is a gap. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity. There's Mm -hmm. literally a blank page where you have hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of members of the military who, when it comes to their belief system, they're guessing, they're asking, they're unsure. Mm-hmm. And that's opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. when we look at spiritual, the spiritual health is actually one of the four pillars of health that's recognized by the Air Force. Hmm. 
And so there's a level of depth here that we're missing. You know, it's like from an institutional standpoint, we recognize how important spirituality is. And yet here's the paper and it's all blank. Hmm. <laughs> so there is a gap here, right? And, and for all of our moms that lead that are out there as leaders, I do want to encourage you, whatever your faith system is, to wear it and wear it proud and mm-hmm. don't discriminate along the way, but definitely be an encourager to embrace that spiritual pillar. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. will only better the people around you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, it is so important. And like you said as well, the, the tie-in to mental well-being, not just your own, but having that opportunity to share your faith with others can help provide that depth can, that can help with mental well-being as well. It absolutely can. And you know what? Maybe it's an opposing viewpoint even. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with having an open, genuine conversation of somebody who follows a different religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I sit down on a regular basis with rabbis and with all of these opposing viewpoints. I have friends that, you know, I I don't know how good of friends you would consider Mm -hmm. them, but I have contacts that, you know, do Wicca and, Mm -hmm. you know, are modern day witches and warlocks and they There's some that even will, they deeply believe in the spiritual realm and summoning spirits and not necessarily things that I agree with or that I would do in my daily walk. But if you don't talk with them and and help them understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, or Mm -hmm. or maybe where there's a lack of depth of that conversation, then they really are just going to be the lost souls Mm -hmm. that continue to kind of flounder around and maybe make poor decisions. And it, it shows in the results of the mental wellness statistics of our nation. It absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it's getting back to to that self-discovery you were talking about before and how important that is for leaders to have. How important. You know, we forget about ourselves along the way. For those of us that are mission first, mm-hmm. mission driven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, how many times do we skip the gym so we can take an extra phone call mm-hmm. or how many times do we just not pack our lunch and food prep for the week and then before we know it we consumed like a thousand million more calories than mm-hmm. we should have. Uh and and it's not good for anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry, you're such an amazing example of like that superwoman that women either love or hate, right? <laughs> well, thank you. But uh, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. And that's Definitely. that's being real. That's being mm-hmm. genuine. There's a lot of faults behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm somebody that has always put my own health and wellness first. Mm -hmm. And I'm about as squeaky clean as it comes. I don't drink. I have, and thanks to God, he gave me an aversion to alcohol and Mm. alcohol intolerance. So now I can't even (laughs) have my one shot of whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm all about wholesome living at this Mm -hmm. point in my life. There's no other option for me. Mm. And I just want to encourage that, you know, the, the wind down Wednesdays, you know, stuff like that. Like you don't have to live that way. And I'm not trying to shame anybody. I just, when they encourage wholesome living. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Cause I, I think self-care has become such a buzzword and has begun to incorporate so many different practices that may not really be all that caring for ourselves. Oh my gosh. You're so poignant with that. Yeah. Yeah. When, when did self-care turn into treat yourself? <laughs> right. Yes, I absolutely needed this $2,000 handbag on my shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, that's probably for a whole nother episode, but a question that came to mind as we were talking and talking about self-discovery, and then I could see maybe someone in our audience being like, well, weren't you talking about others over self? Like how, how do those two work together? Well, right. I know that's, I mean, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. That's the struggle. That's every single day. How do we put these two together? And if you really, if this is your first time learning me and my teachings and who I am, then I need you to really understand that there's a level of depth that Terry and I don't have the time to really go Mm -hmm. into today, but I am a survivor of an abusive marriage. Mm. You know, I spent a decade with someone who was very mentally and verbally abusive, started to be physically abusive. I had a little boy through that marriage and really walked through being a caregiver of someone who struggled with substance use and abuse and struggled Mm. with adultery. And I've been there. Like it's Mm -hmm. so, so tough and it's so hard. And so let's go really far in one direction of others over self, right? You give and you give and you give. And before you know it, you're being trampled on like a doormat Mm -hmm. 
And and here I am, right? I'm Charlie Rude. I'm like the toughest of the toughest. I served as a captain in the military, captain of the rifle team even, right? Like you don't mess with me. And here I am being totally and absolutely abused in every way mm. from my inner circle. Mm-hmm. So how far mm-hmm. do you keep giving others over mm-hmm. self? What does that even look like, right? Mm-hmm. And there's questions and teachings around that. And then mm-hmm. if you go in the other direction of others over self, it's not giving and it's spending too much time on yourself and it's mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. your schedule and your itinerary and your gym time and your food taking priority over everything and everyone else in your life. Right. So it is about that fine line and that balance and how do we put the needs of others over our own without tipping into the self-sacrifice where it's dangerous for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that path is different for every single person. And as mm-hmm. a mom, everybody listening is some type of mother out there. And I get it. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I like motherhood to me is one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenge of my life. Mm-hmm. I was just saying over the weekend with my husband, I think women like me just should always have a nanny. <laughs> because now I have a two-year-old and I have a Uh 12-year-old and just the level of snot and boogers (laughs) and packing the bags and picking them up and carrying him. Like I want to put on my nice shoes and my dress for Sunday for church. And I can't even dress myself the way I want to dress myself because I know that he's going to wipe his nose on the shoulder and it's going to be covered in slime. And this material is going to show it like no other. Uh And I can't wear those shoes because that means I can't chase him when he runs around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's like legit, right? What others of yourself is about. It's about self-sacrifice in all the little ways. Right. And that wears on you over time, doesn't it? Yeah. I think that fine line that you were talking about, I think you combine both the self-discovery and the others over self. For example, our leadership development model is ground, grow, and give. Mm. But it's all the grounding yourself and knowing yourself and, and growing your skills is all for the purpose of giving of yourself. Because I believe you can't really give of yourself fully until you know who you are. And it's going to be a process. We talk about being kind of like a spiral staircase. You're going through those phases over and over again, but it's, it's so important to not just, not just jump to that give and also not get stuck in the ground. So, And you know what, Terry, especially with my military women, Mm -hmm. they jump to give. Mm. I mean, we're talking about our nation's heroes. We're talking Mm -hmm. about the ones that literally signed their lives away on a piece of paper to jump in front of the bullet and Mm -hmm. take it for you. So when we have a barbecue, for instance, here's Mm -hmm. a good example of what this looks like in action. I throw a barbecue, an appreciation Mm -hmm. barbecue for my military women. And I send out invitations. You're invited to the barbecue. I had a woman show up who bought I don't even know how many, 20 bags of fried chicken, a whole bunch of tubs of ketchup and mustard. And I mean, she brought the barbecue with her, (sighs) right? Nobody asked her to. Mm -hmm. It's just that in her world, in her mind, Mm -hmm. that's what she does. Mm -hmm. She's always the one bringing the food, preparing the event. If she doesn't do it, no one else will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's a lot of women that are like, that's me. Yeah. (laughs) And so, you know, at the end of the day, what she lost was that ability to even perceive how much of her was needed. Mm. How much of Mm -hmm. that did she need to bring to the table? Mm -hmm. I sent her an invitation. Mm -hmm. I didn't send her and ask to help plan it with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So how many things in our lives? I love that you're talking about grounding and knowing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're too far in one direction and we just need to be like a balloon. We just need to be pulled back down to Mm -hmm. the ground. So that we don't end up at someone else's event trying to run it on accident because we think we know how to do it or do it better or da 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 And it happens really, really easily. Yeah. And then opening your eyes too, to even though you feel like you're giving what you might be taking away from the person that you're giving to, you may be taking away that opportunity for them to give, for them to experience what it feels like to be able to do something nice for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in my family, we have an issue and it's called giving with conditions. Mm. And I don't (laughs) want to shame anybody listening who's guilty of this, but you need to, you need to know if you do this. Mm -hmm. So 
a gift with conditions. I'm going to mail you this gift. And when you get it, I expect you to send me a picture of them wearing that. And I want to see it on social media. And I want to make sure that you tag me in it, right? That's a gift Mm -hmm. with conditions. Mm -hmm. It's a business transaction, Mm -hmm. right? Like Terry, after our talk today, I'm going to send you a hat and I'm going to ask you to post a social media (laughs) picture and tag me in that hat, right? That's a business transaction. Mm -hmm. That doesn't belong in our day-to-day loyal inner circle world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gifts with conditions is something that is a transaction. Mm -hmm. And that's where we run into issues, even trying to communicate with military people, right? Mm -hmm. Are are we having just transactional conversations Mm -hmm. or are we having meaningful connections with people? There is a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I love that tie back that there's a huge difference and, and one that needs to be thought about and remembered. You know, my husband and I, I am remarried. And so with our wedding, my parents offered to pay for it, which is a Mm -hmm. a wonderful, generous gift. And they wanted to control the guest list Mm. and they wanted to make sure certain people were invited. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we said, thank you. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. It was, it's a beautiful gift. We're not denying Mm -hmm. the gift. The gift is wonderful, but the conditions were mothering. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is, you know, are you doing that yourself? And part of that is, can you recognize when other people are giving you a gift with conditions Mm -hmm. and are you capable in your own personal boundaries to be able to say, yes, I appreciate that. And I'm going to follow through on all of the requirements mm-hmm. or maybe it's, it's, it is a big deal, right? To turn down the gift of a wedding from your parents is not an easy, small thing mm-hmm. to do. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like for years, it has an impact on your relationship, but at the end of the day, it was very, very important for us to establish and set those boundaries so that we had expectations of what our relationship was going to look like moving forward. Yeah. And I, I know that my mom's that lead audience understand what I'm talking mm-hmm. about here. Yeah, definitely. Grounding in those values and which helps you to set the boundaries, which helps you to determine how you're acting. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it might look, you know, like one of my values is the alcohol piece of it. You know, I'm somebody who comes from a background where my life was devastated by alcohol mm-hmm. for years and years and years mm-hmm. and not even my own personal use necessarily. So in this day and age, as a business owner, as a mom that leads, yeah, I want to have those deeper level business conversations. And yeah, I want to network. But no, I don't want to do it during cocktail hour at the local (laughs) TGF Fridays. Like you have to set some boundaries with yourself. And that's very, very tough. Mm -hmm. And you might feel like you're missing out on opportunity. But the truth of the matter is, if you stick to your values, then the opportunities are going to be the ones that are meant to be there for you. Yeah. So don't feel like you have to go to that uncomfortable place. That's so true. That's true. Speaking of those opportunities, I know you mentioned one of the programs you offer is peer support for military women. Tell me about that and why it's so powerful. Absolutely. You know, in in the women leadership world, (laughs) which you are an expert of, I feel like I walk into the lion's den every single day. Mm. Military women... Okay, you have to imagine they are tank drivers, they're combat fighter pilots. Mm-hmm. Nobody <laughs> tells these women what to do or how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And it is it's a struggle. We as a fellow military woman, I mean, nobody can tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I have to tell myself that I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And so when you have this incredibly powerful group of women, how do we collaborate? How do we get those amazing brains together to work Mm -hmm. towards a beautiful common goal? So I was approached, it's been about four years now by a gentleman named Chaplain Webb and Chaplain Webb had a dream. He recognized that in the state of Michigan, there was a lack of peer support for military women. Mm. And when I say peer support, peer support is clinically proven as a way to reduce issues related to mental wellness. Mm -hmm. So What peer support means is that you are connected with somebody who suffers or has in the past of the same thing that you did. So there's, it's, it's not group counseling. It's very different. So peer support is not a professional counseling. Typically there's not a licensed professional counselor on the scene. It's really just a group coming together and having facilitated conversation. So there's somebody who leads the group that can help make sure it doesn't get out of hand. Mm -hmm. 
And so he said, Shelly, I just need some peer support groups going and I want you to start it. And so here we are four years later, our program is called Woman Veteran Strong Mm -hmm. and Woman Veteran Strong provides free peer support meetings all across the state of Michigan. And we also use our funding to provide advocacy events and recreational therapy. Now, what's so unique about this is what do we suffer from, right? I mean, you have to suffer from something to need peer support. (laughs) The only thing (laughs) we suffer from was signing on the dotted line to join the military. Mm. (laughs) That's what you all have in common. That's it. And within us, there are subcultures. Mm -hmm. One very pronounced subculture of military women, right? We can talk about the branches, So a group of army women together is very different than a group of Marine women together. (laughs) I'll tell you that. (laughs) Probably not as fun either. But then within our own subculture, we have something called MST, which is military sexual trauma. Mm. And if you don't know the statistics, approximately one in three to one in four women who have served in the military have experienced military sexual trauma, which is like perhaps an assault or a rape or something Mm. like that. So there's a subculture there that needs to be addressed, right? And we can keep going into all of these subcultures mm-hmm. and unicorns. But the one piece I want to share with our audience is that that MST statistic, think about this. What if your company came out with its annual report? And that was one of the statistics mm-hmm. that you shared at the end of the year. One in three of our employees has experienced military sexual trauma. Here's your mm-hmm. Christmas turkey. See you next year. Right? <laughs> like it's not okay. There's right. nothing about this that is okay. Mm-hmm. And yet it's been the same for years. So mm-hmm. there's there's a cultural shift that needs to happen here. And the last piece that I want to share with you, because this might really stick in your head, is that the, the rate, that MST rate of one in three, one in four, it's the same for men as it is for women. Mm-hmm. So I am not even talking about a sexist issue of, mm-hmm. you know, male aggressors. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a deep systemic issue of, how our values are affecting our day-to-day interactions with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you, in your groups, when you bring them together, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, that's one of the subcultures. How do you find women supporting each other? How, how is that helping women to deal with either that trauma or just to Maybe it's the shift into civilian life, I'm guessing, or it is. other it shifts is, that they have to go through. How, how do they support each other? You know, what's so unique, Terry, is that what we have found in our peer group setting is that our women actually don't, they don't want therapy. Mm-hmm. Most of them are already in therapy. Mm-hmm. They already maybe have their counselors or they have a really good support system going or they're in AA, right? Or mm-hmm. right, they've already got that type of clinical level support. What they're missing is day-to-day life. Mm -hmm. They're missing out on the beauty of meeting a friend for lunch. Mm -hmm. They're missing out on the beauty of taking a walk and being at peace with themselves for an hour. Yeah. So so that's what we bring to the table when Mm -hmm. we talk about peer support. If you have to go to the doctor's appointment and you can't get a ride, who are you going to call? Military women have a very, very closed mindset when it comes to our friendships a lot of us don't necessarily feel that we have supportive families or family mm-hmm. members around us that we can lean on. So for us, support looks like doing life together. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you go to that conference next month? I would love to go. Do you want to ride together? Sure. I yeah. mean, in, in the female business world, high five if you're of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Like fist bump if you want to bring your workers with you, if you want to share that carpool together maybe even pay for your buddy's hotel Mm -hmm. room. Like, that's awesome. That's what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. Military women, man, we have like brick walls all around (laughs) us. And to try to tear down those walls and get through them, it's hard enough for civilian women. When it comes to military women, what I've really seen is that only another military woman can really get in there. It Mm -hmm. it starts there. It starts with a personal introduction. Like if I take my fighter pilot friend, and if I say, Nancy, you need to meet Terry. She's amazing. Her podcast is incredible. Then Nancy's going to do it. Yeah. So it's it's just starting with the ordinary, like you said, starting with being there for someone and, and those conversations that happen just naturally. And again, getting back to what we were talking about before, you know, just help you feel seen and help you feel part of something. And it sounds like pairing up military women with each other 
can help yep. that to happen. Absolutely. And we go back to that statistic, right? Of, of how like stereotyping military women. Mm-hmm. I mean, I stereotype them all the time because I have to come up with content. Mm-hmm. I have to come up with lessons that I think they want to learn about. Mm-hmm. And so I'll put 10 things on a survey and send it out. And I already think what's going to come back as the top hits. And I'm always wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's so shocking when you Uh send it out there and you let them speak for themselves. Yeah. Do you you know that the number one thing that I have seen that military women want lessons on is Hmm. self-confidence? Are you kidding me? You can drive a tank. (laughs) (laughs) What does that say for the rest of the civilian women that can't (laughs) fly a plane or drive a tank Mm -hmm. or shoot an AK? Like, Right. I mean, is there hope for any of us with our (laughs) (laughs) self-confidence? Yeah, it just goes to show you. I mean, you you see what's on the outside, but until you stop and talk to someone and see them, you don't know what's on the inside. And another lesson that they want is anger management. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder in the civilian world of business women, how much anger management, if we were honest with ourselves, right. Would we want that more? Right. Right. Yeah. I I think you have a pretty good hypothesis there. (laughs) Definitely. Well, this has, I've learned so much through our conversation and it's just been a joy to speak with you. How can our audience learn more about you and the work that you do? So you can definitely check out our landing page. We have it specially crafted for your show, Terry, and that's othersoverself.com slash MTL. Mm -hmm. Mike Tango Lima for my (laughs) military brethren out there. MTL, mothers that lead, moms that lead. We put a few, definitely have the link to download the 21-page article entitled Four Ways to Make a Meaningful Connection with Military People. That's something that you can download. You can immediately disseminate it out to your organizations. You can encourage If you have a team, right, and your team does once a week meetings and you share an article, use that, Mm -hmm. you know, make them (laughs) read Mm -hmm. it and come back Mm -hmm. the next week and do a five minute chat about it. It's unique. It's different. It's not something a lot of us pay attention to. And it's something that will give you an opportunity to genuinely make a difference in the life of a military person. So once again, that's othersoverself.com slash MTL. And you can always find me on social media. My name's Shelly Rude, R-O-O-D. I'm not hiding. And our handle is at othersoverself. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll definitely make sure that all gets linked in the show notes. But thank you again for all the work that you're doing. So many different ways that you are supporting both military people, people who have served as well as people who are civilians and such important work. Like we talked about, we want to change a lot of those statistics. And I think the work that you're doing is going to have a tremendous impact on moving those in the right direction. We do Terry. And it starts with brave women like you that are even willing to give us a microphone. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and learned something new that you can apply to your leadership today. Whether it be as simple as asking follow-up questions after you say thank you for your service, or learning more about how you can care for yourself and get to know yourself before jumping into giving mode, hopefully you came out with something that will be impactful for your leadership right away. Can you believe we're almost at 100 episodes? We have two more guest conversations that I'm excited to share with you. And then I will be doing two solo episodes reflecting on the first 98 episodes of Moms That Lead, the conversations we've had, relationships we've built, and sharing some exciting changes for the podcast. So stay tuned to the next month. You won't want to miss it. Until next time, lead with love.